Griffiths again. Hello and welcome to the Pure Football Podcast. Uh, we bring you analysis, scouting, tactics, stats and opinion about football in Scotland and beyond. My name's Owen Brown and with me is my co-host Gavin Miller. Gavin, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing really good, Owen. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. Um, before we kick off with today's episode, um, just want to point any listeners in the direction of a uh, previous episode on Pure Football, if you've not heard it yet. Um, Chris Sampson of the Pure Championship show did a really excellent interview with Stevie Grieve, who is um, Dundee United's uh, head of analysis. Um, well worth checking out for anybody that's interested in you know, football analysis and also anybody that's interested in um, the Scottish Championship. So please do have a listen to that. On today's show, we're going to be looking at Scottish Premiership team of the season. Um, we're doing it slightly differently, though. It's just not a kind of straight-up team of the season, um, I think, because... Gavin and I both kind of fear that might be dominated a little bit with Celtic and Rangers players. Um, so we're splitting things up. Um, so we're going to do one team each that is purely um, made up of Celtic and Rangers players and then another team each that is made up of the best of the rest, the other 10 teams in the division. And we're going to start with the best of the rest. Um, so Gavin, for your team um, comprising players who are not from uh, either side of Celtic or Rangers. you want to start me off with your goalkeeper? Who, who did you go for? Uh, yeah, I went for uh, Mark Gillespie from Motherwell. I think he's had a really good season. I think he's um, someone that's just really consistent. He's I, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I, I'm sure I remember seeing, um, I think it was one of the guys from Modern Football post the advanced goalkeeping stats, and uh, I think Mark Gillespie was was you know outperforming uh, everyone, including the Rangers and Celtic goalkeepers in that position. Um, so yeah, for for me, Mark Gillespie deserves it, and I, I think he's someone that's still young enough to keep developing as well, and, and could be an attractive prospect for any potential suitors out there. Um, and I think for me, he's he's been a big reason in terms of why Motherwell have been able to sustain their um, their place, uh, their sorry, their third place in the in the Premiership table. That's a good show. Um, was there anybody else in the kind of running for you? Any other options that you thought of? Yeah, it was between him, him and um, Joe Lewis. I feel like Joe yeah. Lewis, I, I'm not a big fan of Joe Lewis personally, but um, I think he's had a pretty good year as well. And I, I think for me, he's um, I, I'm not underrated, but maybe just gets a little bit overlooked because... Um, you know the the backline that's in front of them is not that great, and you know Aberdeen are just a bit stale in terms of their overall club. Um, in my opinion, that is so. Um, yeah, I I thought Gillespie wins it, and I, obviously I'm a, a huge fan of Hladke, um, but I feel like he's he's maybe not had the season that he had um, the year before. Okay. Um, I think that's all kind of uh, solid and sensible shouts there. I kind of agree with you about Lewis that he's maybe kind of, you know, Mr. Dependable, really reliable, um, so maybe doesn't kind of, um, you know, jump to the forefront of people's minds, but is a really good solid keeper, excellent servant for Aberdeen. They're very lucky to have him. But I also agree that this season, um, Gillespie has been the standout from uh, the, the 
10 clubs below Celtic and Rangers. Um, you mentioned there's some kind of advanced goalkeeping statistics. Well, I know that Statsbomb have um, him showing as though he's effectively saved four goals that, you know, would have been goals if not for him, you know, against the kind of average goalkeeper, which is a really, really impressive amount, you know, for four goals is um, excellent. Um, he, he's also had a, a number of clean sheets. I think he's only set into, you know, McGregor and Forster in terms of clean sheets, which is um, impressive. And um, yeah, I think you're, you're right. He's been a key part in um, keeping Motherwell so high up the table. So well done to Mark Gillespie. He's going to be in our team. Um, let's move over to right back. I think you mentioned earlier in the day that you were having a wee bit of trouble um, with the kind of quality of fullbacks um, through the the league this season. Did you land on somebody eventually for right back, or were we just playing with a, an empty shirt over there? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I w- I'm enamoured with this pick, um, but mm-hmm. I just really struggled in terms of uh, who to to opt for, and eventually I settled on Stephen O'Donnell from Kilmarnock. Um, okay. I think he's probably not, again, kind of similar to Hladke, not as been as good as he maybe was last year, mm. but how much of that could be down to the turmoil at Kilmarnock. Um, but he still popped up with some um, you know, some assists, some goals. Uh, obviously, the goal against Rangers um, for Kilmarnock, which I think won the game. Um, and yeah, he's, he's someone that I think is quite dependable. And, and when I just looked at the players that he was up against, I felt like there wasn't, much of an argument for the right back slot. Okay, yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Again, yeah, I agree with you that he hasn't hit heights that he did last season, but still a good player. Um, interesting, I think that him and Gillespie, our goalkeeper, are both out of contract this summer. Um, so those are kind of ones to keep an eye on in terms of mm-hmm. whether they'll be able to um, be retained by um, Comarac and Motherwell, respectively, or whether they'll be moving on. Um, in terms of the right back, I went with somebody else. Um, so I went with Michael Smith of Hearts. Now, I know what you're saying. Um, bottom, of the, bottom of the league. <laughs> um, didn't even play right back for quite a fair bit of the season. Um, partly that was just, again, to echo your kind of comments about maybe the lack of options of choice. But also, I, I do think that um, you know Michael Smith is a very good player. Um, I may have gone on a Terrace podcast at the start of the season and said that I felt that he was a wee bit overrated, <laughs> and there, there are reasons for that. But still, he he would be my pick at right back. Um, I think in terms of Smith, I mean, obviously, you know that he kind of filled in at centre back um, and defensive midfield at times this season for Hearts, and you know Sean Clare was in at right back and so on. But um, as a right back, um, he's he's obviously better on the defensive side maybe doesn't get forward quite as much as you'd want a modern fullback particularly in a, you know if he was going to play in a system like Stendhal's but in terms of the defensive side of the game um, I think I mean off the top of my head I think from stats bomb stats he rarely gets dribbled past I think you know you yeah. win some like you know almost 85% of his tackles which is really good rarely gives the ball away as well so you know if you know you're you're in a system where maybe um, your your centre your centre backs are playing the ball out to you and wide, and then you're being pressed. He, he he can hang on to the ball. He can find somebody with the next pass, which is obviously great. So he was my pick for for right back. Um, shall can we I, move over? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just quickly before we move over, I I just think it's worth an honourable shout out to um, I think Jason Naismith. I think had he not sure. got injured, um, the way he was. Uh, his trajectory was going with Hibs under Jack Ross. It looked like he was improving. Um, so I think had he stayed fit and had the season continued, he would have been the actual right back of choice for me. But just I think they're just the sample size 
Um, obviously, he was under pretty poor defensive team um, under Paul Heckenbottom, but he was still part of that poor defensive unit. Um, so, yeah, I think his trajectory was looking good, um, but uh, unfortunately not to be this year for Jason Naismith. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. A real shame that Naismith, who I like as well, got an injury um, that kind of curtailed his season. I did think that he was getting into that little pocket of being a little bit overrated due to assists, um, and his assists were a, a little bit kind of more than what maybe they expected assists would have pointed to. But still, yeah, absolutely. A uh, real pity he got injured, and he might well have been in a team. Um, talking of players whose season got kind of curtailed due to injury, um, over at left back, I've got Jake Carroll uh, of Motherwell, who um, got an Achilles injury and kind of, um, I guess, well, he didn't end up missing as much of the season as we might have thought, given that the season itself has been curtailed, but <laughs> certainly got, got his injury, I don't know, January, I guess, or, or February. Um, I was really impressed by him um, from what I saw this season. I think, again, he's maybe a, a fullback who um, rarely gets dribbled past, but is also pretty reasonable going forward, um, quite you know fairly quick, which kind of works quite well. And what at times for Motherwell has been quite uh, quick from the back, um, but more you know kind of counter attack rather than long ball um, this season. So I, I think he's fitted in well to that, and he's kind of impressed me um, in terms of left backs in the division. What about you though, Gavin? Who's your pick for left back? Um, I really did consider Jake Carroll, but then I thought because of his injury, I ruled him out and. Uh, I'm actually feeling a little bit sick with myself, but um, I've gone for Andy Considine. Um, okay. And I just, I, this more comes down to the lack of options at, at fullback for clubs in general. Aaron Hickey, as good as he is, I feel like he's still not had a great year. It's just that, but that's not just down to him. That's all of um, Hearts. He's also been injured yep. for quite a bit. Considine. Again, I'm not a fan of the player and individually, and you know there's been calls of for him to get into the Scotland squad. He's more, if I'm being honest, he's more here through default, being mm. healthy um, and quite dependable, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, Constantine was obviously one of the handful of people I'd considered for this position as well, and I think in terms of a SPFL Scottish Premiership fullback. He he's fairly capable because you know you need probably your fullbacks to be reasonable in the air, which he obviously is, is you know partly a centre back, partly a fullback, and he, he wins a high percentage of you know aerial challenges. Um, doesn't get dribbled past a lot, whether that's partly systemic or or you know down yeah. to his qualities in, in, in that area, not sure. Um, but yeah, offers very little. Um, yeah. going forward, but yeah, a, a fair choice given the options, I think. Is this making you at all depressed yet about the Absolutely. The, oh. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> this is maybe not a good exercise. Th- things <laughs> will be better in many ways come next season, not just in terms of football and being able to be out of your house. But um, can, yeah. can, I guess my positive comes to my first centre-back. Um, I feel like uh, this, this makes things start to feel better again. Uh, and I opted for Declan Gallagher uh, as my first yeah. centre-back. And uh, I feel like he's been excellent for Motherwell. Offers a great threat from set pieces. Um, I think he's he's got. I don't have the advanced data, so I couldn't look at it. But uh, I feel like he's got better with his distribution um, from what it was under Livingston as well. Um, so I think we've seen the player progress. And yeah, I just think he's all round an absolutely rock solid um, centre back and. 
and for me deserves to be in the, the team of the year. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I had Gallagher in as well. Um, I think in terms of his passing, I'm still not 100% convinced at times. I think way, way earlier in the season um, when we were kind of looking at um, Motherwell, I, I felt that there were times when he kind of tends to telegraph this diagonally diagonal ball that he hits from kind of right-sided centre-back to yeah. the left winger, and it's quite obvious for the full-back and can lead to turnovers. Um, but out with that, yeah, he, he's obviously he's good. He's done very well. He's adjusted to the move to Motherwell excellently, and like you say, he's um, a real asset in either box at set pieces. And you know, obviously Motherwell um, have u- utilised that well. They have some you know plans and and um, you know tactics that they use at attacking set pieces in particular that he's managed to get on the end of. So definitely goes into the team of the season for us for best of the rest. Um, what about the tougher question then? Who's your second centre back in this system? Yeah, so um, I decided that fuck it, my left sided centre back doesn't need to be left footed. Um, okay. So, and I was still feeling really disappointed with myself that I had to opt for Andy Considine. So I thought I'd make myself feel better by going for <laughs> Dario Del Fabro. Okay. Um, cool. I, I, you could maybe argue one or two other people ahead of him, but I think I've seen stats from, a, again, I think it was uh, the Jers report on Twitter, who uh, Del Fabro's got one of the highest shot suppressions uh, in the full league. Um, so I thought that he deserved a shout out. I, I liked him when I seen him play. I think he looks, for someone considering the circumstances that he's had to deal with, um, he's looked like he's he's adapted to it totally fine. You know, it would have been easy to suggest that, you know, losing the his Italian counterpart could have made things really difficult for him. Obviously, Alesso brought him in. Um, but to me, he just looks like a an excellent uh, Scottish Premiership centre-back. And, and I, I would like to see him stick around if possible, potentially maybe go to one of the other higher-up clubs in the in the division. Um, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's the real deal. I like Del Fabro. Yeah, I agree. I like him as well. Um, in terms in terms of him sticking around um, in Scotland, going to our club, I've spoken to him a wee bit um, online, and um, he says that he loves Scotland um, and he would very much like to stay here. It's not at all clear whether that's going to be with Kilmarnock or, or at all or, or, or whatnot, but hey, fingers crossed he might land um, here for another season at least, which would be great. I am in the process of signing him for RC Longs in League yes. Two, um, football manager, um, on a on a kind of. Um, I think I'm going to get him on a free transfer. Basically, he's not out yes. of contact with Juventus, but it's looking that way. So yeah, <laughs> bringing real life into football manager. Yeah, love again. that. Um, in terms of my shout for the other centre back, you're you're going to veer wildly from loving that to hating this when I say <laughs> that it's Scott McKenna. Um, so I, I I totally agree that Del Fabro's had a, a pretty reasonable season. Not convinced by his passing, that was the main thing when I went and watched a, a bunch of centre backs today that, that kind of let him down. And again, I appreciate that it's systemic in some ways and you know stylistic to do with what the team wants to do and stuff. And I'm not saying that Scott McKenna is some sort of um, you know breaking through the lines um, pass master, but I do think that maybe it's become a slight bit of a I don't know, just a, a a bit of a kind of expected thing to say how disappointing McKenna is this season. And there have been some instances, absolutely, when he's been run at and he's maybe not, um, you know, he's backed off things and, and hasn't made the right decision and stuff. But overall, having watched a, a bunch of stuff today, I, I'm going to say that I still 
I still think that he would be in a kind Keep of best arrest. Yeah, absolutely. The other options for me, well, I thought that um, John Suter, um, in the very limited minutes that he got this season, was actually pretty good at times. Yeah. And I thought the same about Porteous, that there were some moments of real promise for me at times too. There were some issues for both of them, but again, partly those were down to partners and defence for them. So I was feeling... Um, optimistic about next season having watched both of those guys and, and hoping that um injury and so on doesn't you know come around next season that they have a clean bill of health and we have you know two um really good young scottish center backs playing in edinburgh next season but for now um it's gallagher and mckenna for me in central defense so um Shall we move on to midfield? Do you want to start me yeah. off, um, I guess, by... You can tell me about shape or just give me who the kind yeah. of deepest or most defensive midfielder would be. Go ahead. So I opted for a diamond, and at the tip of my diamond, I opted for uh, Alan McCann of St Johnston. Um, so he's playing in my sexual. I feel like he's, you know, really good at winning the ball back, loads of sort of controlled aggression, loads of tenacity, um, and I think he's got the ability to keep developing. Um, there's definitely been a hype train that I've been on board, maybe a little bit too much, but for me, Alan McCann definitely deserves uh, to be in my team this season. I I can't think of a six that I would uh, want ahead of him. Um, some people could point to Liam Donnelly potentially, but I personally think his goals make him slightly overrated. Um, whereas McCann does, uh, you know, a really important job and um, as someone that I think can go to the next level. What's your thoughts on, on McCann? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, Gavin. Um, he would be in my team as well. The other person I was maybe thinking of for that position was Marvin Bartley. Um, but just, I guess, in my usual conspiracy against age and over-promotion <laughs> of the young, I decided to opt for McCann as well. Um, I, I, I also not entirely sure that I would want him as a, a kind of six. You know, I think he's very good at breaking forward and um, it's pretty composed and, and clinical when a chance arises but in this team um, yeah he, he can play in that spot I think um, I guess the thing that would satisfy me there is that I have as my next choice in the midfield Alan Campbell um, kind of you know alongside him kind of ball winning firefighting and stuff I think Campbell has done really well um, this season for Motherwell um, with both David Turnbull and Goran no longer being there he's kind of you know the only one of the trio that were so kind of key for them last season. And like you pointed to, he's he's got Donnelly um, behind him, who's maybe not the best defensive midfielder or kind of anchor man in, in my view, and got Paul Worth ahead of him, who maybe doesn't want to contribute as much in the defensive phases. So I think Campbell's put in a power of work. I think his passing's improved this season. Again, he's somebody that's tenacious, he's aggressive. Um, I think that his passing can still come on. Um, the kind of technical aspects of his game can still develop. Um, and maybe, you know, to move to a higher level, he's going to have to have a bit more positional discipline and, and think about, you know, the space that he's occupying instead of just being a kind of, you know, kind of destructive ball winner. But, um, yeah, been really impressive to me this season. A, a good part of why Millerwell are, um, again, as we said before, sitting pretty high in the league. What about you? Have you got a, a different yep. shout for another position in midfield? Talk me through some more of them. Yeah, so I, I I opted for a diamond. So let's start with the sort of left side lateral um, midfielder, and I opted for Stevie Lawless um, from Livingston. I think he's had a great season. Uh, love his work ethic. Think that he puts in an absolute shift every time that he's 
you know, he plays, he's contributed goals for Livingston. Um, I just someone I, I think that in your team that will do all the sort of dirty running, or sorry, the hard running, uh, all the dirty work. Um, and it's just someone that I think that, you know, he, I think he, he's he got that almost lead by example type player. Um, and I, I like the, the sort of intangible around that. So, yeah, for me, Stevie Lawless definitely deserves to be in. He was in my team as well. I agree with all the things you said about him. Um, and he, he's popped up with a lot of creativity this season. So he's got six assists. And um, he hasn't really overperformed because he has 5.3 expect sorry 5.32 expected assists from open play, um, so almost exactly the same. And I think that would be quite important on this team because, well, Michael Smith, you maybe don't expect to get forward as much, and you know Carroll can get forward, but maybe you know doesn't have huge quality in the final third. So nice to have you know somebody from the midfield or the attacking midfield areas that can pop up with some chance creation. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're same again. Both of us would have Lawless in the team. you got another person, maybe yep. the, the right side of the lateral? Or... Yep, yep. So uh, this one is maybe... I wasn't... Again, I, I felt like I, I wasn't sold on this one as much, but I eventually opted for Niall McGinn. I think he plays... He's played a little bit more inside this season. He can play pretty much anywhere behind the front three. Um, but I felt like his... Um, Goals and assists for Aberdeen have been really important. Um, a team that struggled uh, and at times to to create chances and to score goals. So for me, I think he's been um, a little bit under the radar in terms of his contribution. Um, yeah, I think it's six goals, six assists, um, and for me, that's a, a big part and and why Aberdeen have still been in and around the sort of challenging for for Europe. Um, so yeah, and I felt for this team, uh, obviously, I've got. Considine, Del Fabro, um, Gallagher, McGinn's um, got you know a good ability to de- deliver from set pieces. So I think that for this team, it's uh, we're going to win by um, beating you in the air. So yeah, okay, well, well thought um, policy there. I don't know how McGinn's going to adapt to actually being in the mid- mid- midfield that gets played to rather than being bypassed. But hey, um, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, do you have a, is there a Fighting the tip of the, the diamond in attacking yep. sense. Yep, so I went for uh, Scott Allen um, from Hibs. I think that Scott Allen is very consistent in his role. Uh, five goals, eight assists. I think he's got an excellent range of passing. Again, I think for me, um, Hibs have maybe suffered a little bit in terms of consistency, and obviously that brings down the players, but in terms of who I would want in the 10 role, who I think's played the best in that role and who could give me the most. Um, yeah, I would I would go for Scott Allen and I feel like again um, for my team there's there's maybe uh, a benefit of having you know another player that can contribute from set pieces. So um, yeah, Scott Allen at the number ten role. Excellent. I had him in my team as well. Um, obviously a very gifted passer, good vision. It's going to be good at playing some through balls through for whoever we've both got up front. So let's move on to that. Who are your centre forwards or who have you got up front? Uh, I'll start with my my obvious choice uh, for anyone that's followed the podcast, followed the Twitter. Uh, Lyndon Dykes goes straight in there for me. Um, okay. I love the way he plays. I love the the aggression. I love his pressing, his ability to you know, bully and intimidate defenders. Nine goals, five assists. I think that's a really good um 
you know, output considering, you know, the, the way that Livy play and yeah, I just think that from the very first time that we've seen him, I've, I've just been impressed with him and he just keeps growing and growing and growing on me. Um, so yeah, Lynn Dykes easily, uh, the first striker for me. Okay, he's in my team as well. Um, one of us is really going to have to develop some contrarian opinions <laughs> so we can actually have something to debate in this podcast. Um, but yeah, there's there's no kind of arguing with it from me. Um, also, really big fan of Dykes. I think Dykes is going to be an asset to any team that he plays in. You know, he's you know always buzzing around, good layoffs. Um, you know, strong physical presence, but can also kind of put in a, a shift. You know, he, he's somebody that can press the back line, knows how to do it, um, and will be a, a nuisance for opposition players, but can also chip in with some goals. I think he's got nine goals in the league this season, which is you know re- really impressive um, for, for what two-thirds of a season, three-quarters of a season done, and, and in a team that, you know, the that maybe don't make as many chances for him as you know a, a higher up team might. So well done to Dykes. Um, he makes it into the the team. Who's the final person in your eleven, Gavin? Uh, I opted for Christian Deutsch. Um I think this season he's been. Um, he's. The, I I don't know. I, I don't know if he's been great, but he's been very effective. Um, and I think for me, he's just someone. Again, when I was looking at my team and, and what I was thinking about the team, um, I know this is supposed to be with the players that have played the best, but I do think he's, you know, you could easily argue um, for him to be in there based on his contribution. But uh, when I was looking at how my team's going to perform, I can just see loads of scrappy tap-ins, flick-ons from dykes, goals from, like, uh, bobbly corners, and just, yeah. Uh, so I thought Christian Dodge was going to make this team, uh, you know, uh, Score more goals than we maybe would have had we opted for. I think the the obvious counterpart is is Cosgrove, but uh, I felt like Cosgrove and Dykes were too similar, so um, cool. opted for Dodge. This team is going to beat the old firm combined select in the most um, unaesthetically pleasing <laughs> and most kind of enjoyable way possible. Um, yeah, Dodge is on my team as well. Uh, 12 goals this season in the league um, I think that's from 11.68 non-penalty XG so it's not as though he's overperforming like you said he's you know very efficient um, he's got 0.47 non-penalty XG per 90 so you know that suggests that he should score around a goal every second game um, which is really impressive you know for a player a non-old firm team in the Scottish Premiership so well done to him he's really important for Hibs. He um, has contributed 30% of Hibs's XG this season in the league. Um, so, you know, he's a, a key factor. I, again, you know, you, you kind of alluded to a little bit of hesitation around him as a player, and I would kind of echo that. Um, I think that, like, I'm, I'm supposed to be somebody who says that, um, you know, what matters is getting your shots off and getting in the right place and stuff. And, you know, it doesn't really matter um, about, you know, kind of finishing ability to a high extent and blah, blah, blah. But Dodge just really want, worries me with the way that he hits a ball. He He's just not a clean striker of a ball at all. And it's a very small sample size, of course. Maybe he'll show me next season by having the cleanest, most beautiful you know, <laughs> execution of his shots possible. You know, he, he only takes about two shots a game or whatever, you know. So I've not <laughs> seen that many shots from him yet. So he might surprise me. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just feel his, his kind of... His finishes are clumsy, uh, sclaffy, um, yeah. you know, but it's effective, as you say, you know, he's been efficient so far, 
he's really good in the, you know, he's a, he's a big guy and he gets into the right zone and when, you know, Naismith or maybe in this team, Lawless or Allen are delivering it onto his head, he's, you know, deadly. Um, so fair play to him. I think he deserves yeah. to be in the best of the rest team. Absolutely good, good, good season he's had, um, particularly, you know, um, stretches towards the, the end um, under um, Jack, Jack Ross. Yeah, I think he is the absolute king of the scluff. Yeah, he is, isn't he? You can just kind of picture it kind of sort of bouncing off, I, I don't know, not even <laughs> his ankle, not even his calf, but some sort of unnamed bit of territory in between <laughs> on his leg. And then, you know, hitting a bit of turf and just getting just the right bit of spin and kind of going in off the post. <laughs> and it's one of those ones where it goes in off the post because it's been pouring and the post is <laughs> yeah. wet, whereas if it had been dry, it would have come out. You know, one of, one of them. But hey, they all, they all count if they go in, right? Um, so that's the, the kind of best of the rest uh, teams from both of us. Let's move on now to Celtic and Rangers and have a go at offending everybody by putting together <laughs> some sort of um, cobbled choice of um, both of these teams where we end up like, leaving out just enough of each other, you know, each of the clubs that nobody's quite happy. Um, goalkeeper, start me off, Gavin. Has to be Forster. Um, okay. I feel that um, for me, it, what, I. I don't again. I don't have the advanced data in terms of the goalkeeping, but I feel like there's games I've watched McGregor where he's had some poor decision making. He's not looked as comfortable with with you know his shot stopping. Um, he just is always angry at his defenders, and I'm not necessarily sure how effective that is. Or um, yeah, and I just feel like uh, when I was thinking about this, and it's not huge margins between either of them, but. Uh, I thought back to the the cup final where um, you know Forster was absolute key um, and won Celtic that game. So um, yeah, I, th- I feel like Forster's just that a common influence at the back, and mm. um, McGregor's the absolute opposite from for me in that sense. I think he's you you know you're not you're going to be on edge if you do anything wrong. Um, so yeah, for me, Forster Forster gets this one. I think that's a good way of looking at it because. Um, in terms of the stats and things like that, these guys are pretty much on a level, not much between them really um, when it comes down to it. I think Forster, in terms of the League Cup final and some saves in Europe and things like that, really kind of sticks out in the mind because there were some you know, incredible moments. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to say that the thing for me is just how it would feel to be in their teams respectively. <laughs> I worry a little bit about, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to be said for people that set standards and, you know, having players, more experienced ones, older ones in a team in a dressing room that, you know, have high expectations. But there can be a tipping point with that where it no longer becomes constructive, I think. And I would worry that with McGregor it's at a point at the moment where it's not constructive mm-hmm. um with his reactions to, to some of the players. And I think that can maybe lead to people um being scared to play their natural game. Um, you know, and, and I think for me I think Gerard probably makes players feel that way as well, but um, that's a that's an aside. Um, in this um, choice for goalkeeper, I'm going to agree with you, Forsters, and um, and Forsters obviously been really really good as well. That's that's the the important thing. He's, he's yep. had a great season. Um, what about right back for this team? Who have you got? Uh, I opted for Frimpong from Celtic. Um, can't wait for someone to just post me loads of Tavernier's assists <laughs> and tell me how wrong I am, but. Uh, I just, It'll be me, by the way. But, you know, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, 
what I was thinking about was um, in terms of so Tavernier obviously offers a lot to Rangers going forward, but in terms of the defensive side of it, I feel like he makes more errors that are costly, um, and there's errors that um, you can pinpoint throughout the season where he switches off or he makes a bad decision or loses his man. Uh, and for me, I think I've just said it too often um, to remove that sort of ingrain in, in my mind around about him. And I feel like Frimpong's had a great season, um, exciting talent, really good going forward. Still has a bit to develop, but I think his ability to um, to play in a, a in this, this sort of Celtic system is is really effective. And I think he'll go for some big money in a couple of years' time. Um, and yeah, I just I'm just not I don't know what it is about Taverni. I just think I'm 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 not in on him anymore. Okay, um, well, I understand all that, and I think Frimpong's been uh, incredibly exciting addition to the league. I would have a little bit of a problem with the idea that Tavernier's made um, a lot of mistakes and Frimpong hasn't. I think that Frimpong's got away with a couple of things, so the penalty in the League Cup final um, that, you know, Morales ended up not scoring. Um, there's been a couple of times as well where defensively he's not been great, but he's kind of been bailed out by the fact that Celtic are so superior to you know the, the opposition generally that you know they kind of get away with things at times. So I I I, I mean obviously Frimpong's strengths are going forward um, comparatively, but I, I do think that defensively there's a bit of work for him to do. Um, I also think that Taverni has been good. I mean I think that. Uh, penalty mistakes and program notes have kind of counted against them, but in general, um, going forward at least, he, he's still been good. He's obviously not been on level that he was with, you know, him and Candias, um, kind of you know having the full run of a right flank, but he gets the ball into the final third nine times a game, which is a, an incredible amount of times. Um, he actually gets more open play expected assists per ninety minutes than Frimpong. Um, so he's still effective, you know, uh, still a creative um, outlet for Rangers. And, and yeah, there's the occasional error, um, but it's I, I guess mod- the, modern fullback, you know, it's um, there's risk and reward here. I guess the difference um, in terms of his creative output than Frimpong's would be that the Rangers' reliance on the fullbacks, whereas Celtic maybe aren't as reliant on an in, on that that's, individual that's area. Fair. Sure. Um, so, you know, if, if Rangers are asking the fullbacks to be a huge part of their attacking game, where Celtic are maybe more comfortable allowing everyone to be part of it. Sure. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, so, a uh, difference of opinion, finally, for one of the few times <laughs> in today's show. Um, what about left back over on that side? Who have you got for this position? Uh, I went for Barisic. Um, I've been really impressed with him this year. I think he's came on leaps and bounds from. From last season, and uh, I think he's someone that's going from strength to strength. I I also think I was thinking about this this as a team as well. I think Barisic would do even better with Forster behind him than he does with McGregor. I think there was a, I think it was the game against Young Boys where I remember uh, someone from Young Boys getting a shot away, and Barisic yeah. was no nowhere near the player. Um, but McGregor sort of unblasted Barisic as though it was his fault that the shot got away. And it was just like, you know, that's, to me, for someone like Barisic, that's counterproductive to um, 
you know, there's a difference between saying, you know, make sure you close the man down, etc., etc., than actually mm. screaming at them because they've got a shot that's gone over the bar. Um, so that kind of thing can also influence fan opinion as well. When they see somebody like McGregor, who you know they naturally love, you know, as a, a club hero and so on, having a go at Barisic, if you've not really necessarily seen exactly what happened in the chance, it's going to be difficult, you know, in a live game when you're you know sitting behind the goal mm-hmm. or whatever. They might then automatically think, well, that's Barisic's fault, and kind of you know that can turn you know opinion against people. So yeah, I agree. That's another reason to have some uh, slightly more constructive um, teammates with you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do agree that I think Barisic has improved this season. I, though, um, have opted for Greg Taylor on this side. So I was really kind of humming and hawing about this for quite a while. Um, initially, I was kind of thinking about Bolly Bolignoli. I know he's disappeared um, to you know God knows where um, lately. Lennon's secret bunker where he keeps <laughs> people that have you know, offended him in some way for whatever reason. Um, but I did think that Bolignoli... Um, I like him. I think that, you know, he came in for a lot of stick at the start of his time at Celtic and he's a different type of fullback. He's a type of fullback that will play riskier passes. He'll play passes into the midfield diagonally that have a greater chance of being intercepted. But there's a value to, you know, taking more risks and stuff. And I think that it was starting to come off for him at certain points. His interplay with Nietzscheam, uh, you know, people like that, where there's a bit of positional rotation. Is really nice, and that's the sort of play that I really kind of fall for. Not just people shuffling up and down the wagon, sticking crosses in. You know, um, you know, ones where there's interplay and ones where people move out of their position, and you know, um, Nietzscheam drops in at left back and Bolling only comes in at midfield, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I say all that to say that I kind of had a look in detail at stats and watched more footage and stuff, and I decided to go with Taylor. Um, I think Taylor, you know, he, he's maybe the guy that. Out of all these fullbacks we looked at, you could probably say Strait has struck the balance the best in terms of the defensive and attacking side of things this season for me. Um, I don't think he's amazing at either side, but he's good at both. Um, probably still better, you know, defensively, which is important. You know, in the league he's small, so he's not that good in the air, which is maybe difficult for most fullbacks in in Scotland. But it won't be as much of a problem at Celtic. Um, but he's strong in the tackle. Um, he's also well involved in games, so he you know gets the ball into the final third for Celtic um, almost eight times every ninety minutes, which is just a little bit less than Tavernier. And you you know, pointed to the fact that Rangers so much more is expected of the fullbacks in terms of ball progression. So that that shows that it's a lot for Taylor. Um, he's got zero point one eight expected assists from open play. Um, per nine to the season, which is you know more than Tavernier, more than Frimpong, um, more than Barisic as well. Um, so yeah, I just kind of felt that Taylor um, was the guy, and you know some of his crossing has been really good. I think as well, you know the games against uh, St Johnston in particular kind of strike, strike stick out to my mind uh, when he was playing wing back and he was able to deliver some really dangerous dangerous crosses in. So that that's my pick at left back. Um, you want to give me both your centre backs? Yeah, is there any point in arguing anything <laughs> other than Christopher Julian and Christopher Ayer? Well, uh, I, I agree with both of those picks. I think Julian in particular, apart from a couple of kind of iffy moments against uh, you know Dykes and Ogbo, I would say he's been really good, um, dominant there. You know, threat from set pieces, pretty good on the deck as well with the ball. Um, so yeah, anything you want to say about either of them? Uh, I think we, you know, they've both been covered a lot, and they're both excellent 
centre-backs. The only thing I thought we could maybe have a bit of a conversation about for something different, do you think though, had Hollander not got injured, there's a way that he could have challenged either of those? Maybe. I've not seen enough of him to really be sure. And when when I did see him, I think it was against Dykes as well. Yeah. I did feel a little he bit worried about him. Yeah, well... Uh, he's a difficult player, but it wasn't just bullying. I think there was a bit where he exposed Hollander for speed as well, um, which kind of worried me a little bit. Um, so Hollander's a wait and see for me. But yeah, he would possibly have been a challenger. He looks decent. I, I think for me, he's Rangers' best centre back, and uh, yeah. I think his again. I think it was the Rangers report that posted it, but I think he's got one of the best shot suppressions in the league. And you know, um, I just felt that. Potentially, he could have been in the in the argument, but yeah, it's Julian and Aya. Um, okay. So I guess I don't, don't know the full detail of that stat, but I'm a little bit hesitant to put um, all of the positives for shots not coming from your zone to a centre back. But that's maybe a debate for another day. Um, just I uh, would be a little bit hesitant about that shot uh, uh, suppression I, stat meaning um, certain things. I guess the only other thing I would I would add. To that then, um, to give a, another view on it, is I think he's the most comfortable on the ball out of all the Rangers centre-backs and looks sure. the, the most confident in bringing it out. And I think that was something at times that Rangers have, have struggled with, um, especially yep. with Katic when he's partnering um, Goldson. Um, and even sure. Goldson himself, I think, sometimes makes poor decisions and just you know plays long diagonals to nobody um, or to Ryan mm-hmm. Kent against a... You know, a a six foot odd centre back that he's just not going to win. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, let's just move Fair on enough. to the midfield. And before we get into it, what did what formation did you opt for, or what sort of? Um, I've got a kind of sort sort of four four two, I guess. Um, okay. but it's like I don't know. The four in midfield are kind of two central midfields and then sort of two attacking midfielders, basically. What about you? Uh, I gone. I went for a four two three one. Um, okay. you want to give me the two? Who's in your double yep. pivot? Uh, Jack and McGregor. Um, okay. So Brown and McGregor talk, talk me through why Jack over Brown I guess uh, So for me obviously Ryan Jack Did get injured and, and missed a bit of the, the Season but I think he Added goals to his game I think he's um, Excellent on the ball I think Rangers are a much better team With him than without um, And I do feel like um, Scott Brown Maybe gets He's a weird player I feel like he gets Overpraised at times, but then also over criticised at times. Sure. Um, and he's a difficult player to to sort of judge their performances. I feel, um, and for that reason, I I felt like I can think of more games where Browns had poor performances um, versus Ryan Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Browns obviously got the the intangible stuff like the leadership, etc. Um, but yeah, for me, I just felt like Ryan Jack has would be excellent in a double pivot with uh, Cal McGregor. I think they would play lots of nice little one-twos, so that suited my formation, and that's for the the style that my team of the season is going to play with. <laughs> cool. Um, I, I like it. I mean, this that was the kind of choice I was weighing up in my head. I, I think that, um, yeah, look... You know, we we've talked about Scott Brown loads on the show before, and you know how that I think maybe Celtic should have thought about phasing him out a wee bit earlier. But I do think at times he's come back onto a game um, this season. There's obviously been some games in which I've you know seen kind of errors and stuff, and you know he's he he can try and 
um, dominate the ball too much at times. Um, I mean, both in terms of taking the ball off of centre-backs or other midfielders or influence people to give him the ball um, when maybe he shouldn't be the one that's distributing it and that kind of slows Celtic down. Also, um, out of possession, sometimes he can you know, maybe move out of the position and try and you know, harry somebody or, you know, try and win the ball to an extent that maybe, you know, he shouldn't and then he get, gets caught out of position, basically. But I do think that still, um, for that kind of role, um, you know, in, in that kind of midfield double pivot, I, I still think that he's better than Ryan Jack. I, I think that Ryan Jack's good, um, you know, has really, really developed this season and has transformed the type of game that he plays, you know, to more of a an eight, I guess, than a, a kind of, you know, defensive-minded six. So, you know, slightly different roles, but I, I do just think that, um, yeah, Brown edges it for me, even still, even at 34 years old. Mm. Who have you got ahead of these guys? Who's in the kind of midfield three? Yeah, uh, so I guess the, the easy one to start with is James Forrest. I think he's had an incredible season. You just need to look at his, his numbers and how he's performed. Um, I think, again, a player that I feel like gets really singled out at times when he has a and you know a poorer game, and then maybe doesn't get the plaudits when he has a better game. Um, so mm. uh, yeah, I, I felt like I, over the the options between what he could face at Rangers in terms of right wing, uh, I opted for James Forrest pretty pretty easily to be honest. Cool. Um, I have him in my team as well. You know, in the league, ten goals, thirteen assists. That's just ridiculous. Um, I think what you were saying about him maybe getting you know a difficult time at times is kind of fair. Um, I, I was thinking about this, and I, I think that's just natural in Scottish football because of you know Celtic and Rangers. If there's maybe a, a Celtic player that's doing well, then there's likely to be some people on the other side that are you know against them. Also for Forest, he's maybe not performed for Scotland at times to the extent that people might want, and that can lead people to be a little bit. Um, uh, you know, less than effusive with her praise. I also think this season that you know there's been a bit of shuffling about and stuff. Um, he's had to move over to left wing at times, you know, to kind of accommodate this different systems. And I think specifically in some games, he's at times lucky in terms of the number of chances that Celtic generate with how dominant they are because he can get his head down and just kind of you know shoot without picking his head up and stopping and thinking and, and looking to pick a pass at times. So I, I think there can be criticism of, of him, but um, not all of it's... Well, most of it is not justified. He, he puts up sensational numbers. He's a really good player. Um, and, yeah, he would absolutely be in um, best team of the season for me. Um, deserves to have that starting spot on the right wing. Who Who else have you got in? Yeah, so in my this is maybe my controversial choice, but uh, because I opted for just one up front on my left side, I did eventually opt for Ryan Kent. Um, And I I was thinking quite a lot about this, and I feel like so he gets quite a bit of criticism, and at times rightly so. But most people reflect on the price tag. The price tag isn't his fault. The price tag is how much Rangers were willing to pay to get him. Um, So. You know, uh, for me, I think that's not always fair to to you know blame the player or give the player extra criticism based on that. I understand why, but when I was looking at his numbers and his performances, I feel like there's a a number of things that he's done really well for Rangers, and I, I felt when I compared it to who would be my choice from Celtic for this position, um, I opted for 
Christie to be in the ten role. Um, spoiler for my ten. Um, but yeah, I just I felt like his seven goals. You know, he, he scored goals that have really been like massive goals for Rangers. You know, against Celtic, there's games where uh, I think it was Hamilton where they were struggling to break them down. They eventually yep, won three 0 yep. but it was his goal that you know um, was goal a really special left. goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Rangers have had you know games where that's gone totally against them, where they've not broke the opposition down. And without his moments like that, they would be even further behind Celtic. And then when I, I know we've thought about the, the Premiership, but he's also been very important in Europe um, for Rangers. So for that reason, I thought I would give Ryan Kent a little bit of love and, and push him into my team of the season for, for the Rangers and Celtic. So yeah, Ryan Kent is an interesting choice. I understand what you're saying. He has popped up with some important goals for Rangers, and uh, I do remember, you know, him having some good moments in Europe. I think there was the goal for Morelos against Porto away that you know he was a kind of key part of. So he has done some good things. Um, the thing that kind of sticks out to me with him is just the the lack of assists in the league. Um, I know that you know he does have um, expected assists. I think three point seven um, expected assists from um, him in the league, and and you know just through. You know, bad luck or whatever else, those haven't actually converted to assists. Um, so I, I just don't know uh, about him again. And for me, it's not for the, the price tag. It's just that I think at times um, I would want him to be a little bit better at passing at interplay. Um, I think in terms of kind of making you know exchanges with um, you know the attacking midfielders or a centre forward, and maybe getting ahead of people uh, and choosing the right moments to kind of drop deep and um, influence things a little bit more by dribbling at people in the right areas. Um, but you know, still, I look forward to seeing how he gets on next season. In terms of my choice, well, I, I didn't really go for like a four-two-three-one, so I've just got. Um, McGregor and Brown, as I said, and then Forrest, and I've got Ryan Christie, same as you, um, in, a, in a kind of you know attacking midfield role. Christie, phenomenal again this season, so 10 goals, 9 assists in the league alone, um, but not just the goal scorer and the goal contribution, it's just a, a kind of ball of energy. Oh, he's you know a presser, um, he's going to win you the ball back in dangerous areas, um, he's a threat from you know set pieces at times, um, and just a really dangerous player, I think he's been an extraordinary success story um, in the last few seasons, and long may it continue for him, um, particularly for Scotland. Um, what, what do you want to say about Christie, who I think you said you have in the ten role? Yeah, just the exact same as you. I I love his ability to to press. I think it's it's you know really important for Celtic to win the ball back high up the pitch, and um, I think his contribution this season has been excellent and. You know, there's times where I've seen him dropped from the Celtic team, and I'm thinking, why the hell are they doing that? But then the answer is because they can. Um, so yeah, Christie hands down best uh, attacking midfielder in Scotland for me. Um, so you've gone for two up front. Um, I'm guessing yeah. that it's uh, Camberry and Griffiths. Ah, so that would be a former Hibs connection up front. No, it's not. Um, surprisingly enough, I've included odds on Edward, um, as I believe you have as well. So Edward's had a phenomenal season for Celtic. Um, you know, we're nowhere near the finish of the season, and he's put up incredible numbers: twenty-one league goals. Um, I think he has zero point seven six non-penalty expected goals per ninety, which is great. But you know, it's not just the goals with Edward. You know, he's. Um, Really, really key part of Celtic's play. 
dropping into the kind of left half space, linking up with McGregor, linking up with whoever's playing on left wing, um, bringing the full back into the game, um, interplay with Griffiths when they're playing two up front. Um, just a, a superb player. Um, I think I mentioned to you earlier that today I've been watching quite a lot of Bubakari Sumari, who's a young central midfielder that plays for LOSC Lille. Um, been watching them preparation for writing a piece for Scouted Football um, Handbook. Um, the reason I mention him is that he's in the France under-21 squad, um, so I've been watching some of his games for them, and that's meant watching a bit more of Edward. And he's just brilliant. Um, just, you know... Um, so many things to like about him. He's deadly in the box, really, really good finisher. Um, you know, so composed, such a good placer of a shot, but also so skillful. Um, really good dribbler, really calm under pressure in terms of his passing. Um, smart, knows where other people are, knows where defenders will be. Good at holding people off. Good at you know, getting control of big, long, high balls and kind of putting his body in between. Um, you know, the ball and, and the centre back. Just an absolutely great player. Um, my player of the season, I would say, and deservedly in this um, best of team. And I, I know that he was your um, pick for your sole striker as well. Um, I've got a, a second striker alongside him, and um, it's Alfredo Morelos, which, you know, I think that fairly um, some people might say is m- maybe, you know, a, a surprise. Um, he's certainly tailed off um, this season and, you know, has had some struggles at some points. But I think overall he's done really well and deserves to be in the team. So, you know, look, he um, has 0.74 non-penalty expected goals per 90, which is so, so close to Edwards. Um, Just, you know, at times, um, he maybe hasn't had the luck or the composure in front of goal. And, you know, that's maybe why he's um, maybe not hit the heights in in terms of goal scoring. Um, But he certainly gets in the, you know, right areas and... um, gets off a, a lot of shots per match I think it's over 5 shots per game which is a pretty phenomenal amount I felt this season as well that he was also improving in terms of his you know link up play, um, good composure and execution of passes to kind of pop things out wide um, he did seem at times to you know have screwed the nut a wee bit in terms of you know reacting to provocation as well and, and things and um, he was deadly and very important for Rangers in European matches you know Porto, Feyenoord, uh, and and so on. Um, so I've been impressed by him. I think you know, regardless of maybe a, a downturn in form uh, lately, and and so on. I think he merits being in um, a Celtic and Rangers combined team. So that that's our um, choices for the best of the rest and the best of um, Celtic and Rangers. Um, thanks very much for listening through. If you'd like to tell us who you think should or shouldn't have been in either or all of these teams, please do hit us up on social media um, at the Pure Football accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or um, wherever else. Um, And that's everything for this episode. Thanks very much for joining us. Goodbye. (laughs)